2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDIC. When you're a, 415er, when you're a, 415er, a 415er, 415er. 415er, you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. and more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy what is going on everyone welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast mark grandy evan giddings with you as always odyssey sports podcast network 95 7 the game it is our second week of another off-season week mark but still a lot to talk about
0: how you doing man i'm doing well i'm doing well yeah we got the combine going on i know all team personnel are out in indianapolis right now getting geared up for the combine we're recording this wednesday evening we haven't seen you know, uh potential draft picks, get out there and do drills yet, but still a lot of business being done at the combine right now. So it is it is the off season, Evan, but you know, football never sleeps. So still a lot going on and a lot to talk about today. How are you?
2: I'm good. Yeah, we haven't seen Rich Eisen or Adam Schefter run the 40 yard dash yet, but I'm sure that <laughs> I that don't will need to be, see it. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be riveting as always. Uh, they just—it seems like they pick some random unathletic analyst to find a a 40 yard or maybe a bench <laughs> press or a shuttle drill i i don't know what's going on but we will await of course to see the next crop of athletes and uh, i'm looking forward to that because it seems like there's a lot of depth in certain areas this year and some of which could affect the 49ers positively uh but overall i'm doing well mark and i'm glad to see that it sounds like john lynch is doing well as well because he was of course the front office executive that spoke earlier this week for the san francisco 49ers and Usually, Mark, it's kind of funny. Like John Lynch doesn't really give much, but you sort of have to read between the lines. And even though he look, he's had an end of season press conference, he's spoken multiple times throughout the season during a very up and down roller coaster ride of a year, in which I don't really feel like we got a lot from him. Um, I don't know if this was your takeaway, but I do think there was some valuable insight that he kind of gave and maybe even tipped his hand a little bit from his comments at the combine.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he said a lot more than I was expecting. Now, maybe you could argue things that he said were kind of expected, but still he doesn't need to come out and say them. Like, like for example, and I'll, and I'll just play this first one here, he admitted most likely, yeah, the Niners are going to, at the very least, be looking into the quarterback market. I'm not sure that everyone was expecting him to say that because they have Trey Lance and they have Brock Purdy. Of course, there are injury questions around both of those guys right now. Uh, but he was asked about all the injuries to his quarterback room this most recent season and as a result, he said, "Yeah, we'll be looking into it." This is John Lynch at the combine.
1: Well, you know, ironically, you know, we made that decision last year and I I felt like uh felt really good going into training camp that we were kind of insulated in the event that anything happened and you know, unfortunately it wasn't it wasn't quite enough. It got us right at the end and so I think we're all product of our experiences. You know, was in some meetings today where the leagues discussing potential solutions for you know third quarterbacks, such that we never have that kind of. But the reality is, it's it's very few and far between where those instances happen. So we'll see. And yeah, we we may have to look into the quarterback market in addition to Brock and Trey to insulate ourselves from from whatever may happen.
2: Yeah, I think the key phrase there was. Okay, so that is obviously something that that he did say. I think the key there, Mark, is product of our environment or circumstance, right? Like, after going through what you did last year and what you've gone through the past several seasons, you do have to keep an eye open for the unlikely. And whether you want to call a quarterback misfortune unlucky, whether you want to call it negligence, whether you want to call it anything, the fact of the matter is the 49ers have not been able to keep their quarterback room in line for longer than a season and even to some extent half a season. So if you're John Lynch, I absolutely understand him saying we may look into it. No, no, no. they will look into the quarterback market, whether it be a veteran, whether it be a draftee. I You can guarantee there's going to be another arm, not from inside the organization. I know that they do have some quarterbacks that they have kind of groomed a little bit. Jacob Eason comes to the top of mind, but they're going to go out and get a guy, whether it be drafted or signed. Um, and I would probably lean towards both, honestly, in this case. I don't think you can have too many arms right now if you're San Francisco.
0: Yeah, Kurt Bankert is another name who spent some time on the practice squad after some injuries earlier this year. You're right, 100%. The Niners will acquire at least one more quarterback. Uh, They will acquire one quarterback this offseason, add to their current two. There's no doubt about it. You're not going into a season with just two quarterbacks, especially after what happened last year. The question becomes, Evan, who and what caliber quarterback are you targeting? And I think this is where it gets interesting. There's been a lot of talk about, oh, Marcus Mariota, you know, now available, released by the the Falcons, Carson Wentz, released by the Commanders. And we talked about Carson Wentz on last episode, the Niners should stay away from Carson Wentz. But guys of that ilk, um, a Matt Ryan and Andy Dalton might fit in that category of Guys who have been effective starters, and for Matt Ryan specifically, an MVP, very effective starters in their past, but are clearly nowhere near that peak. But they kind of fit to me, Evan, in a category of guys who probably wouldn't be willing to be a third string quarterback between two young and relatively unproven guys. So to me, Evan, what's more likely is it's a a veteran retread, a guy who's been a career backup who maybe has a handful of starts here or there during a particularly bad year for injuries with whatever team he was on, or a guy who hasn't really gotten a chance yet out of college, or it is a draft pick. But where the Niners might uh, control this is, say they do want to go after someone like an Andy Dalton. Someone like a Marcus Mariota, Evan, if they do that, I think they are telling you what they feel about Trey Lance. If they go out and get someone who's better or expected to do more than just be a third stringer on a good team, I think that that would be the Niners telling you we're not so sure that Trey Lance can do much for us, at least right now. I don't think that's the case. But if they were to go after someone like that, again, an Andy Dalton, a Marcus Mariota, a Matt Ryan, who I know, they're not good quarterbacks at this moment of their careers. But considering that I don't think they'd want to be third string guys, if the Niners do go after one of those guys, I think you read between the lines and you can learn their true feelings about Trey Lance. Because to this point, everything they've said has been positive about him, but it's not it's not their obligation to tell us in the media, the truth. I think if they go after one of those bigger name guys, despite the fact that they are well past their prime, it tells us what they actually think about Trey Lance.
2: I think it also tells us a little bit about the cloudy timeline that surrounds Brock Purdy. And as we discussed over the last couple of episodes, it kind of keeps getting pushed back. And I know John Lynch addressed this as well. And, Uh, If you want to play the sound, feel free. But essentially what I read from it, Mark, is that you never know, right? Okay, so with Brock Purdy, let's say the swelling doesn't go down. They continue to push it a week at a time. Eventually, then you're looking at a six-month timeline that aligns even closer to the regular season. And then I wholly understand where not necessarily the 49ers don't have confidence in Trey Lance, but they haven't seen enough to have confidence in his play. And so at that point, if you are looking at a Marcus Mariota, a Matt Ryan and Andy Dalton, a veteran quarterback, to me, what that would signal from the 49ers is we want to bring in a guy who can compete. And that's why also those quarterbacks would want to come into San Francisco a la Jimmy Garoppolo last year. I think a big, big reason why Garoppolo wanted to return was not only, of course, it was a good landing spot for him. He's familiar with the system, but I do think he really came into last season believing he could beat Trey Lance out for that starting job, or at least at some point grab it back, even if Trey Lance hadn't gone down via injury. I think that's how guys think at this point in their careers that are kind of, teetering on whether they're going to remain starting quarterbacks or that they are transitioning to the backup quarterback role. We've seen Marcus Mariota, for example, kind of do both and have relative success in both, even if Atlanta showed him the door, so to speak. I think that, that was more about Desmond Ritter than anything else. But the point stands. I feel like John Lynch is also saying that not not just, okay, it, it's all about Trey, but it's also about Brock. And if Brock is not going to be ready when they need him to be then at the end of the day you are looking at a guy with nine games under his belt that's going into a sophomore season that's coming off an injury and then at that point you got two question marks and it's not just all about Lance
0: yeah potentially that's a good point I I do think in maybe it's just as simple as them not knowing about Trey Lance like you said but let's run out this 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 what if for a little bit Let's say that they're worried about Brock Purdy's timeline and he's not ready by week one. Let's say that they they know that's going to happen at this point. But they are confident, at, despite the fact that he he won't be ready for week one again, this is just pure hypothetical. They're confident that you know he's not going to have any long-term issues and he'll be ready to go for the majority of the season. And they still believe that he's their guy because everything still points towards that. I think that they generally would be at least somewhat confident in Trey Lance's ability to get them through a week or two until Brock Purdy is ready. And I'm not so sure that they'd be willing to go out and and spend the necessary amount of money to get yourself a, I don't know, an Andy Dalton, just one of the names that we've been throwing out there. If they're at, at least somewhat confident in Trey Lance, it doesn't have to be you know, we think this guy's a future MVP, but this is a guy who can get us through a couple of weeks while while our true number one quarterback gets ready and then takes over, say, week three or, or whatever the early week is. It doesn't really matter in this hypothetical. They would have to feel, I think, one of two things, Evan, what you're talking about with Brock Purdy, that it's it's more than just a, a week or two in question. It would be a a, a much longer uh, period of Brock Purdy missing games for them to go out and do that, or they're just absolutely convinced at this point that Trey Lance is not that guy. I'm not sure we see this Niner team, Evan, overreact to the point of going out and getting a pricier veteran who probably doesn't want to be a third-string quarterback to bring those questions into your locker room. What does that mean for Trey Lance? What does it mean for Brock Purdy? I'm not sure they overreact to that point If they are even still up in the air about Trey Lance, or if it's anything, I don't know, better, like at the worst, two weeks missed for for Brock Purdy. It would have to be, I think, something significant on both those sides for them to go out and do something of an Andy Dalton or someone in that same category.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think either way, you're bringing in a quarterback that can be a crutch. Now, whether that quarterback is willing to be your third-string crutch or you know, maybe feel like he has a chance to compete for the backup job or at some point maybe even beat out a certain quarterback, it's Trey. I I don't know, maybe Marcus Mariota wasn't impressed with what he saw from Brock Purdy last year. I don't know how it wouldn't be, but maybe that's the mentality that some of these ultra-competitive people have. I I just feel like at this point, John Lynch is trying to set a – somewhat clean slate for the quarterback room, not expect the unexpected, but if something comes out of left field, don't necessarily be surprised. And and I'm not sure if that's just about Trey Lance. I think it also has to do with Brock Purdy's injury a little bit, just because again, the 49ers have been so unfortunate when it comes to quarterback injuries both in the off season, as we saw last year with Jimmy Garoppolo, as well as in the season with a slew of arms. So I, I mean, right now the only real question mark about this team is the signal caller. And you can make an argument that was the difference between them being in a Super Bowl and losing in the NFC championship game. And so if you're John Lynch and you're trying to construct this roster as best possible to get back to that game and get further, and of course, win the big game, then you're going to do everything possible to make sure that that room is shored up and if you're a quarterback around the league that is seeing hey where might i have the best chance to play as a non-qb1 it it's and and again compete of course at the highest level it's probably san francisco just because of the track record unfortunately that they've had at that position
0: yeah that's fair i do also think one thing that's important to note after you know john lynch's interview here that, that we're, we're talking about on this episode i saw a lot of noise on twitter and and just kind of everywhere where you look where niner fans congregate and the the overwhelming thought was oh my god it doesn't matter who your third string quarterback is last year was an anomaly you're the third string quarterback isn't going to take a snap this coming season there's a very good possibility that you're right that that you might not need a third string quarterback you would hope reality you would hope of course and for most teams throughout the the history of football you haven't needed three quarterbacks two has been plenty and i know that this most recent season was a particularly bad one for quarterbacks and their health um but the odds are the niners will not start three different quarterbacks in the 2023 regular season that's just what the odds say But it absolutely matters the Niners go out and get a third-string quarterback that at the very least they think can keep them competitive in some games. That can be a stopgap in the worst-case scenario. So while it's easy to just ride it off and say draft someone in the fifth round, they'll be the third stringer, I mean, that's essentially what this past season was. And imagine if Brock Purdy wasn't, this you know out of nowhere great story it would have been nate sudfeld because they they wouldn't have cut nate sudfeld in the preseason and i can guarantee you nate sudfeld does not win all those games in the regular season and the niners probably lose on the road in the playoffs in their first playoff game because they they might not win the division who knows maybe they 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 face the the vikings in the first round and they lose like This does matter. And you can't tell an organization, especially one with the lofty goals of the 49ers. It doesn't matter who your third string quarterback is, because if they don't go out and do their best at trying to acquire at the very least a semi-competent third quarterback, then they're not doing their job trying to guarantee that this Niner team is as successful as they possibly can. So that whole conversation is beyond me. It's, It's, it's it's a bad point. It's a bad conversation. This does matter. The hope is it doesn't matter, but you have to act as if it will matter. Otherwise, if you do get to that point, you're you're dead in the water.
2: Well, for people who listen to this podcast, I bet even with Nate Sudfeld at, at quarterback, you still would have picked the Fortnatters to beat the Vikings, Mark.
0: <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Yeah, although I still I still feel dumb picking the Vikings to beat the Giants in the first round of the playoffs. So.
2: Yeah, it's pretty oh well. pre- pretty gutless, not going to lie. Uh, All right, <laughs> th- this is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Please download, rate, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast from. Um, so I want to go through some of the sound that John Lynch also um, gave us from the scouting combine, or at least prior to, as he's getting set to, of course, figure out who the 49ers are going to take. And, and they do have a decent amount of draft picks, too, despite not having a first or a second round pick. A lot of thirds, a lot of fifths, um, later picks that we can dig into, of course, as we move forward in the off season. Um, but of course, one thing we got to get out of the way, Mark are the Jimmy Garoppolo rumors, because where Kyle Shanahan kind of stuck a pin in things at the end of season press conference, John Lynch essentially doubled down. And here's what he had to say about Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: Jimmy has been tremendous for us. Um, in our first year, you know, at the end of the year we do a trade and Jimmy comes in, lights it up and, and, uh, You know, a lot of people want to talk about what we didn't accomplish with him. What I know is we won a lot of football games with Jimmy. I admire, we admire um, his toughness. We admire the teammate that he was. So I I know (laughs) everyone wants to talk about some discourse and all that, but I think uh, I do believe that it's probably run its course. Um, But I think we leave with nothing but fond memories for Jimmy, and Jimmy's going to go play good football for someone.
2: Yes, he is, because he's also going to get paid. I think he's the third-best quarterback on the free agency market right now. I'm curious, though, Mark. Look, first of all, night-night. Jimmy Garoppolo's gone. John Lynch told us about (laughs) as clear as day as he can. But I personally believe, and not just because of the slip from the eye to the we and John Lynch there, but I kind of think it's more Jimmy Garoppolo saying bye to the 49ers than it is the Niners saying goodbye to Jimmy.
0: You might be right there. I, I do think there's a little bit of a fracture in the relationship. And I remember way back to what was it week three when the Niners lost that embarrassing Sunday night game in Denver. And there was all that that lip reading gate. Do you remember that where supposedly Jimmy Garoppolo said, like, your plays suck, man, or whatever about about Kyle Shanahan? And I remember writing that off. Like, even if he said it, it's not a big deal, it's not going to affect their ability to to try to win games. Um, But I I do think there's probably a little bit of a, of a fracture of the relationship. I know there there was that report after the NFC championship game that the Niners were hoping Jimmy Garoppolo would be ready and willing to suit up for the NFC title game in case Brock Purdy got hurt. You all know the rest of the story. He did get hurt and Josh Johnson also got hurt. And then the Niners uh, got demolished by the Eagles in that game. What happens if, if Jimmy Garoppolo is available? So maybe, The Niners are putting a little bit of pressure on on Jimmy Garoppolo. If I was Jimmy Garoppolo, there's no way I'm suiting up for that game. I'm not risking anything when I feel like I'm probably going to get a pretty penny on the free agent market this offseason. So I think there's a little bit of of butting heads going on there. Uh, But I kind of get the sense throughout this offseason, Evan, we're going to have Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch come out and talk whether it's at you know OTAs or rookie minicamp or pre-draft, post-draft, Jimmy Garoppolo will be a point of question for these two guys. And they will address it the way that Shanahan addressed it at the end of season presser, the way John Lynch addressed it this week. They will address it by shutting any rumors down. But in those times, between those media obligations, like the, the month between when Kyle Shanahan talked and now John Lynch talked, the rumor mill will start trickling around and suddenly they will be, oh, well, well Brock Purdy's surgery, oh, Trey Lance's ankle. What do you know? The Niners might need Jimmy Garoppolo back. That's the way this is going to work. When these guys aren't talking and aren't shutting it down, Niners fans and media across the league will begin to start talking about it after kind of a enough time passes from when they last shot it down. But then they'll shoot it down again, and the whole process will start again. I kind of feel like that's where we're headed this offseason. But I agree with you. It's not happening. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo wants to be back here. I think the Niners would be open to him coming back if he was willing to take a discount to, uh, again. Uh, but I think Jimmy Garoppolo is ready to move on. Whether or not it's you know, greener pastures elsewhere is is still to be determined. But I do not think he is eager at all. Uh, to come back again for the 49ers.
2: Tom Brady has a better chance of playing quarterback for the 49ers than Jimmy Garoppolo oh. does.
0: Oh, That
2: is what I believe. And the greener pastures you talk about may or may not be resembling the New York Jets, but that's neither here nor there because Jimmy Garoppolo probably felt like he just got the short end of the stick here during his time. I mean, let's just go down the list of things you got to gripe about outside of, of course, 150-ish million dollars. That's going to calm some of these issues. <laughs> but you get none of the credit and all the blame for losing the big game, and none of the credit, of course, for winning any of the regular season games. You get at least tempted a a dangled carrot of being traded last offseason. Then they can't find a place for you to go that's worth anything to take anything back. Then you have some sort of you know restructuring of your deer. You're, you're willing to go out and restructure things to help out the 49ers who bring you back in. And again, I still do think that Jimmy Garoppolo thought that he could beat out Trey Lance for the starting job, even if that wasn't going to happen. Regardless, Jimmy Garoppolo plays hardball and then gives in. And then still, you know, you're talking about, you want to look at the the, the lip reading of the Denver Broncos game. Your plays suck. You know, guys (laughs) supposedly love him in the locker room, but then, you know, I, I don't know. There's just a fracturing there that I, I think cannot be overstated. And it's more to me with Jimmy Garoppolo having an issue with how he was treated during his time, considering the fact he can continue to be a consummate professional. Um, all right. The other thing, Mark, that John Lynch uh, talked about, of course, was was Trey Lance. And I know that we talked about them looking to find a quarterback and they're going to be active on the market or active in the draft process. Uh, But uh, here's what John Lynch had to say about Trey Lance and what he needs to do in order to potentially become a future
1: QB one. I think his biggest thing, we just got to find a way. And I've had a lot of conversations with Trey early in my career, struggled to stay healthy. And I hit an eight year stretch where I didn't miss a snap. So sometimes you just got to go through that, You know, the rough patches and, uh, you know, he, he's, he's got to play and that's, that's the, that's the, you know, the the biggest challenge. We got a team that's ready to go now. He's got to, he's got to get out there and play. Brock got that opportunity this year. He grabbed it. He did great things. You know, we'll see at some point, you know, how we get Trey that opportunity because we very much believe in who he is as a person, uh, and who he is as a quarterback.
2: Interesting, Mark. Uh by the way, John Lynch, I know he said he dealt with injuries earlier in his career. Uh yeah, he had like one season across his 15 years in which he missed <laughs> a large portion of the season. The dude is a freaking Iron Man, so don't give me that. Second thing is Trey Lance right now is in such a fragile place that even hearing John Lynch talk about his quarterback and what he needs to do Well, you got to give him the opportunity if you do feel like he needs to play, if he needs to be healthy, if he needs to throw. I'm not saying that he will get that chance, but, John Lynch, if you're telling us that these are the things that Trey Lance needs to do in order to, quote-unquote, prove his worth to the organization or as a starting quarterback or as a football player in general, well, then put your money where your mouth is. Play the kid. If not, I really don't want to hear what you think Trey Lance needs to prove at this point.
0: Yeah, I I do not know what to make of that soundbite from John Lynch. What you're saying is correct. It, It seems to me, John Lynch talking about Trey Lance here, seems to me like he's talking more about the 49ers. He needs to know what Trey Lance is, because he needs to know if he needs to move off of him. That's what it sounds like to me. Obviously, he's dressing it up as... You know, we we just got to get Trey Lance on the field. He needs, you know, his fair shot at this. But what John Lynch, in my opinion, how I interpret this, what John Lynch is saying is we believe in Brock Purdy. If he gets through this injury, he's our starting, starting quarterback. And we still are not sure about Trey Lance, but we don't feel comfortable moving on from him just yet because unfortunately he hasn't had a handful of starts. He hasn't had a real shot as the team's starting quarterback yet in his first two seasons. It seems to me, Evan, that uh, John Lynch is talking more about what he and the 49ers want to see, which is Trey Lance either proved to them that he is a quality starter at the NFL level or proved to them that he wasn't worth the draft pick a couple of years ago. And then once they figure that out, whether it's good news or bad news, at least they can move on. But at this moment, they're kind of stuck in this limbo where they're not sure what they got, but they also don't want to sell the lottery ticket off yet because they haven't checked the numbers and seen if it's the winning ticket. They're stuck in this middle ground where they're uncomfortable moving off from him, but they also still aren't sure if he's good enough to help them win games and if he's better. Than Brock Purdy. That's what this sounds like to me, Evan. It's John Lynch talking through his own logic, hoping that Trey Lance has an opportunity to play some games this year, because otherwise they're going to have to make a decision, perhaps without even knowing who he even is as a player.
2: Yeah. And, and look, John Lynch has been a player at the highest level. He's in Canton, Ohio. Like he's got a gold jacket. John Lynch is in the business of winning. And so if Trey Lance is not going to help this team win and he doesn't know that he can help the 49ers win, then whether it's not resigning him, whether it's a potential trade in the near future or if the, you know, if they, if they try and finagle something with his deal and then move off him at the end of this year, perhaps in midseason, who knows? But John Lynch right now is kind of grasping for air, in my opinion, when it comes to Trey Lance, because, of course, the other part that he mentions is Brock Purdy, who got his opportunity. And what did he do? He won games. So John Lynch is not in the business of picking favorites. It's not that he likes Trey Lance or dislikes Trey Lance or vice versa for Brock Purdy. He wants the guy that is going to get him W's and the only guy that's shown that so far because of injury or opportunity or play or talent or otherwise has been Brock Purdy. And so right now, what I hear from that soundbite and what I hear from a lot of John Lynch's kind of messaging concerning the quarterback room is I don't give a damn who is our quarterback, but right now there is only one in our room who happens to be injured that has showed us that he can do what we need, which is help us win football games.
0: Yeah, and then to your point, what you said earlier, I am not sure that the 49ers are willing to give Trey Lance that opportunity unless they are pressed into it, unless they are forced to do it. You get the sense if Brock Purdy is ready to go by week one, Brock Purdy will start. And the only way Trey Lance hits anything more than mop up duty this coming season is if there are injuries. And who knows? Again, like we talked about earlier at the start of the episode, maybe they go out and get a more proven veteran who maybe plays over Trey Lance in the situation that Brock Purdy is injured. Like that is still a possibility as well. So. While everything that John Lynch is saying is correct, Evan, in my opinion, their actions might not back up their words here. That's kind of the sense you get, that he wants to know what Trey Lance is. And Trey Lance deserves the opportunity. And the Niners, frankly, deserve to find out who Trey Lance is. But I'm not sure they're willing to risk potentially winning games just to figure out who he is. No, I mean, right now you
2: can't afford to do that. It, it, again, it's it's a situation where you have a win-now team and you don't have a win-now quarterback so far from what we've seen in Trey Lance. And that's just the reality of the situation. And so you don't really have time to kind of figure out what you got and what you don't got. And, you know, it, it, it's a really tough spot, I think, for both sides. But the fact of the matter is the 49ers have some, some decisions to make there. Uh, and they're going to have to do it pretty soon. Uh, of course, the other update about Brock Purdy is that they're going to be reevaluating his elbow and checking on the swelling, which caused the original original surgery date of the 22nd to be pushed back. Uh, they're going to be looking into that next week. And then the hope is that the surgery would take place the preceding week afterwards. So looking again at the middle of March, second week, that's the goal right now, according to John Lynch for Brock Purdy, and that elbow repair this is the 415ers prog oh, progress this is the 415ers <laughs> podcast brought to you by the odyssey sports podcast network evan Giddings, mark Grandy. follow mark on social at mark Grandy, mark of the c granny with an i you can follow me on social at e Giddings 10 uh, i do actually want to mention before we pivot a little bit mark um john lynch had some nice things to say about a university of oregon duck i don't know if you caught that towards the the tail end of his oh, his talk and d'amador lenore
0: what do you think? I did, not, I did not grab that sound for us because I figured if I did, you would laugh me off the podcast because it's it's not worth. I mean, I would just muted for
2: 30 seconds, but
0: that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, he had uh, he had some really, really positive things to say about D'Almodo Lenore. And it kind of got me thinking, Evan, what does this mean for, you know, that free agent discussion we had last week? Uh, or last week, last episode, earlier this week, about Jimmy Ward and the solution I I, I gave for not re-signing Jimmy Ward is move Diamandor Lenore to the corner, or pardon me, to the nickel corner spot, which Jimmy Ward held this season, and then re-sign Emmanuel Mosley, who of course had a really good start to the season, but then tore his ACL early in that game against the Carolina Panthers and the thought is you should be able to get him maybe under potential market value because that injury probably suppresses his market a little bit it happened early enough in the season that you would expect him to be healthy relatively early in the year if not the entire season and and maybe that's a economical solution for the 49ers and then Nick Bosa was on Richard Sherman's podcast via the volume and he offered this about the Niners' defense this offseason.
1: We're going to be attacking on D. Um, we got dogs at every level, um, especially this year. Uh, I think Fred and Dre have taken another step, which is kind of scary. And then we got Charvarius back there. E-Man will be back. So
2: it's only up from here.
0: E-Man, E-man. will be back, Evan.
2: Going to be back. Uh, I do Believe this makes a hundred percent sense for the Forty ers and I do think that Diamantor Lenore moving to the nickel and a John Lynch also referenced in that soundbite the fact that last year Lenore was sort of thrown into action and that's how he was able to grow a lot and responded um, in relatively positive fashion. I know everyone's got some down games, but he did pretty well considering the situation he was thrust into, and I think something could be similar next year if he's put in a position at the nickel spot, which he is you know, maybe a little more familiar with, but obviously is going to be a change from which he played last year. As far as Emmanuel Mosley is concerned, I only offer a piece of advice, which is. I, I uh, be careful what you wish for specifically <laughs> when it comes to players coming off of injury. Now, I don't doubt that Emmanuel Mosley can be a great corner, but coming off an ACL tear And we've seen 49ers defensive backs, specifically Jason Verrett, who have had trouble with certain tears, injuries. Not to say that a guy like Mosley has had the track record of a Jason Verrett, who, of course, had injuries even going back to college. But I would temper expectations for a guy that had that serious of an injury in the next season because – Obviously, you got Mooney Ward, Travarius Ward on the other side, who's a dominant number one. I think a lot of people will be expecting Mosley to regain the form that he found before his injury. And to me, that's a little bit higher than I would personally expect. And so that number two corner position could also be one that Lenore might have to slot back into if Mosley isn't ready. Assuming, of course, that he's coming back, which it sounds like uh, the smaller bear and former reigning defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa, believes he will be.
0: Yeah, I do think there's a possibility that Nick Bosa is unaware, or at least at the time that he said that on the Richard Sherman podcast, again from the volume, that he was unaware that Emmanuel Mosley is a free agent. And perhaps he was just referring to the fact that he'll be back from his injury. I think that's a possibility that, that he wasn't saying he thinks the Niners are going to resign him. Perhaps he just wasn't aware But I also would imagine, I mean, Emmanuel Mosley in the Niners, uh, you know, facilities all season, even after the ACL tear rehabbing and getting work in. And if for whatever reason, Emmanuel Mosley was giving off a certain energy or or made it known that that he wasn't going to be back next year, that Nick Bosa would probably know that as well. So. It probably doesn't mean it's a dumb deal that you should, you know, go and bet your whole life savings on Emmanuel Mosley returning, getting a a contract and signing it with the Niners this offseason. But it certainly doesn't mean that he's not coming back. It it probably means that it's a good sign for him. That might mean it's a bad sign for Jimmy Ward, though. There are always kind of a, a give and take with these things. So we will see. But I do think that is a viable solution. You are right, though. There is a chance. I mean, Maybe even abilities aside, Evan, maybe he doesn't regain that, you know, peak level. But also there's a chance, I mean, he he might not be ready until say week five or something. And and I don't know, I don't know if you're willing to throw out Ambry Thomas as your starter for the first four weeks or Giomador Lenore and someone else in the nickel. So you might have to figure it out. Maybe it's not the the best solution. But for a Niners team that is trying to save pennies everywhere they can to make sure they can afford Nick Bosa and everyone else, it might be one of the better economical solutions. But we will see.
2: Yeah. And that Bosa contract, we have, I believe, a lot of time to break down because, as the Niners have shown, they don't typically tend to do those things until close to the season. Uh, but you're right. He will get paid. I also think Mosley, on a quick note, is in a position where if he wants to come back, The Niners will be able to sign him. Typically, other teams don't tend to take flyers on injured players unless they've kind of been in and around their system. So the four Niners, in my opinion, get first dibs on Mosley. And the fact that he's hurt might also suppress some of his uh, financial um, concerns. Speaking of free agency and something that might be able to allure... Mm some potential free agents to San Francisco is the first annual NFL Players Association report card, Mark, which I at face value kind of like. I think it's pretty interesting. Now, Not all the categories I was necessarily astounded um, or interested in, I should say. But the fact of the matter is that among the 32 teams, among the grades that are broken down into treatment of families, food, service, and nutrition, the weight room, strength coaches, Training staff and finally training room, the 49ers ranked seventh of the 32 teams among all of these grades. Uh, I'll give you first serve as to what you kind of gleaned from this, as well as perhaps also what some of the other teams didn't do in the face of how well the Niners graded.
0: Uh, So obviously when I see this again, it's a bunch of players uh, offering their thoughts on all these different categories that you mentioned. And this is also sorry, locker
2: room and team travel were the two that I left out.
0: Yeah, so it's the accumulation of all these players. I think the number is 1300 total players. Total NFL players uh, contributed to this report and, you know, for each team on each of those categories, they gave them a letter grade and again it's, it's just an average of all of the grades that all the players offered. Uh first, I my by instinct, you go and look at what your team did and the San Francisco 49ers as you mentioned 7th Had a handful of A's. One thing that stood out was that the training room was the Niners' worst graded thing at at a C C+. But for me, Evan, uh, one of the the other – after I I look at what my team is and and how they did, I I look at some of the more embarrassing teams, and one of them does reside in the NFC West, uh, and it is the Arizona Cardinals, to no one's surprise. If you had to guess, the most dysfunctional locker room, dysfunctional team – dysfunctional organization in the NFC West. I think 95% of our listeners would probably say the Arizona Cardinals. Seven categories. The Cardinals received an F or worse because F minuses exist in this poll. Four of their seven categories received an F or an F minus, including for the Arizona Cardinals in their treatment of their families, food service and nutrition, the weight room, Uh, Pardon me. Five F's. I said four. Five F's of the eight categories. I can't do simple counting here. Uh, But treatment of families, food service, nutrition, weight room, training room and locker room. All F's or F minuses for the Arizona Cardinals. Maybe it's just who I am, Evan. But as much as I'm looking for the positives from my team, I'm also looking at some of the embarrassment and the negatives from some other teams. And the Cardinals are right up there with everyone else in terms of looking terrible from this report card.
2: Well, and if I can kind of add on to the the punching bag that's been the Arizona Cardinals in this <laughs> segment. Jonathan Gannon, you got a lot of work to do, buddy. Oh, uh, my so God. The, the strength, for, to put this in perspective also, the strength staff was their best grade, right? A-. minus. The 49ers, as well, also received, I believe, an A, so slightly above, right? The 49ers ranked... The 49ers were tied for 10th. So that means even though the Arizona Cardinals were an A minus, which sounds like a good grade, they were still middle to lower end of the pack <laughs> in their best possible grade. I also oh. love the fact that you can give a team an F minus. I feel like that is duly deserved. <laughs> but the fact that the, and, and the, okay, the fact that the Arizona Cardinals were worse than the Cincinnati Bengals, who historically have been one of the cheapest organizations in football from the time that they were founded to now, there is a reason why I believe that the Cincinnati Bengals draft a lot of uh, high profile college players. It's because their scouting staff is bare and slim to none. They do not spend money on their team. They do not spend money on their players. They also received, I believe three F's so less F's than the Arizona Cardinals, the cheapest and, and best to a lot of places i know that they've been to the super bowl recently but they do not invest in their own players the Bengals do and the cardinals were worse than them uh so shout out the 49ers i guess for not being in that group uh although it sounds like they do need some bigger cold tubs in the training room from what people were uh, were saying
0: yeah to be fair to the cardinals they did not receive ultimately the worst total grade that belongs to the washington commander's but that's a given the commanders will come in last in these things uh, as always. Uh, So the Cardinals not being last really isn't much of an accomplishment. The top, uh, you mentioned the 49ers seventh, some expected names for me at the top, but, but a couple of surprises as well. The Vikings overall, number one, uh, the Miami dolphins two. Raiders, three Texans, four Cowboys, fifth Packers, sixth, and then the 49ers seventh. You have a lot of really proud franchises that have had a lot of success, specifically Niners, Packers, Cowboys stand out, but the Texans up there kind of surprised me, and and the Vikings number one overall was surprising. I I suppose their brand new stadium up in, in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, probably helps out. They have great team facilities, but they take care of their guys as well, but I don't know, it, it's kind of illuminating to hear the the player's perspective and and things like this Evan while maybe we didn't have the the way to correctly quantify this from a player's perspective in the past, I think you'll start to see some some trends perhaps line up with free agent decisions and where certain players go. Because of something like this, obviously we didn't have this report card in the past, but it was known among players. I mean, they're all friends; all they're all part of this fraternity. They know, hey, you know, I was I really enjoyed my time with the Texans. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get every free agent, but perhaps they might get more players than a really bad team would otherwise. So something like this probably makes allows us to make some of these connections with with some decisions that players will make in free agency.
2: I think I'm a little more wait and see on that than you. And one of the reasons I think the grades are a little telling that the players of course, the 1300 that you mentioned um, the only categories that they did not bury were the staff. So the guys that they work with on a daily (laughs) basis, only two teams in both the strength staff and the training staff categories received failing grades. Everyone else got pretty much a B or an A. However, the treatment of families, nutrition, weight room, training room and locker room, the things that are controlled by the higher powers and that the players do not typically deal with on a daily basis, were the ones where they could be a little more, uh, let's put it honestly, or, um, you know, revealing with some of their grades. So I'm not sure how much I read into it, but, you know, it is interesting and it's nice to see the 49ers in the top 10 for sure. Um, and, and that's something I would expect from a quality organization. So we'll definitely, uh, I don't know who knows. And you could be right. There could be some connection in the future and who knows, we'll see if, uh, a guy like, I don't know. Well, actually I don't have a free agent off the top of my head, Mark, but you know, maybe there's a guy who cites specifically the, the training staff or the locker room, or maybe not in the Niners case, the training room, but. I don't know the treatment of family and something like that. So
0: there, there's probably too many variables here to to really say, oh, you know, CJ Gardner Johnson, the corner for the Eagles, he signed with so and so because he loves their training facilities. Like there, there's there's too many variables to go through here. But but maybe if you get a large enough sample size, I mean, I guess it's it's also easy to say. I mean, a lot of the teams at the top of the list are known generally as good franchises. Like that's just kind of the expectation for a lot of those teams so it's 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 probably something we already knew for the most part as well but i'll be interested to kind of keep an eye on that and, and maybe it, it gives a little insight into what certain players value perhaps more over others
2: yeah also a lot of those teams at the top uh quality teams as i would imagine the <laughs> largest category that matters in the factor of a free agency decision would be roster. So uh, the 49ers <laughs> got an A in that category as far as I'm concerned, Mark. And uh, we can I don't know, we can hand out our own grades on the next episode. But that'll be coming at you next week, next Tuesday. Again, off-season schedule: Tuesday and Thursday here for the 415ers. We appreciate you tuning in, Mark, my man. Thank you. Let's chat next week. Sounds good. I've been looking forward to it already. All right, please download, rate, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. Five stars appreciated. That's Mark. I'm Evan. We'll talk to you next time.